Bible and turn with me this morning to the 19th chapter of John. Nineteenth chapter of John. If you are joining us online this morning, whether through Facebook or YouTube, uh, let me apologize. Um, we have no control uh, over it, but they have gotten really sensitive about copyright issues. Uh, we pay all our licenses and everything else. Um, unfortunately, there's no way to prove that to them. Uh, we can prove it to the government if we need to, but we can't prove it to the media platforms. And so it is quite likely, uh, it is a possibility at least, that at any point during the service, uh, well, not any point, but at any point where there is music going on, uh, that it'll go blank. Um, and if it does, just hold on. Uh, when the song ends, they will let us be back online, but uh, they are getting really strict about uh, copyright, uh, copyrighted material, and so uh, I, I don't know that that's happening, uh, but if it does, uh, just hold on. Uh, if that bothers you that badly, uh, you may go to our website at uh, poplargrovebaptist.com, uh, and you'll see a button there that says live streaming, I think, or go live, or something about live, uh, if you click it uh, and watch through the streaming, uh, I think you'll have less, uh, less chance uh, of uh, the uh, copyright police uh, jumping in. We are legal, just so everybody knows before you come. We're, as best we know, we're legal. We pay extra for uh, licenses and things, but... Um, I said that just uh, the way they do things, it may go blank um, during any any portion of the music. I, you know, I, I have no we have no control over it here. Uh, it is purely uh, done electronically. When their computers think it's a copyrighted song, they can cut us off. So, uh, so you may want to uh, jump over to the website. So, all right, John chapter 19. John chapter 19. Uh, again, I'd love to tell you I was smart enough to have planned this uh, a year ago uh, to be right on schedule uh, in the Gospel of John with the Easter story, um, but uh, I will admit I am not. Uh, we uh, last week looked at uh, uh, the uh, final hours of Christ, and now we come uh, to an interesting story uh, that... Um, uh, again, is uh, I think part of the story that um, I, I may be wrong, but again, I've said this several times at different places. Uh, I think there's part of probably the Easter and the Christmas story, for that matter, the whole Bible, uh, that occasionally uh, when we are reading or studying, we just kind of jump over. Uh, we know, uh, if you're familiar with the Easter story, uh, you know that the resurrection's coming. Uh, and so we skip over some of the other stuff to get to the resurrection and uh, and really don't pay attention to some uh, of, uh, of the details uh, that are, are there. Uh, I want to look at some of the details this morning. I want to look uh, at this little piece of the story 
uh, about Jesus being taken off the cross uh, and actually uh, put into a tomb. Uh, there is a major lesson for us, uh, I believe, in that part of the story. Perhaps uh, a more important, more applicable uh, piece of the story uh, than most any else, uh, because it deals with uh, what a transformation. Uh, the cross makes, uh, what a difference uh, the cross makes uh, in, uh, in people's lives. We see uh, there are two men in this story. Uh, one we don't know a great deal about. Really, neither one of them we know a great deal about. Uh, but one of them we've heard of before. One of them uh, is a man named Joseph of Arimathea. Uh, and then we have another by the name of Nicodemus. And uh, we know of Nicodemus because he is the man uh, who came to Jesus by night. And so uh, these are our two main characters uh, in uh, this passage of Scripture. And they're the ones uh, who took it on themselves, who took the responsibility uh, of getting Jesus off of the cross uh, and getting him buried uh, on that, uh, that evening before uh, the Passover began. And there again, uh, there is, a, I think, a huge lesson uh, for us this morning, uh, for the church in, uh, in the age in which we live, um, and, um, and uh, the culture, uh, not so much the culture outside uh, of, the, uh, of the church, but the culture uh, inside. Uh, of the church and the uh, and the actions of uh, the followers uh, of Jesus Christ. We're going to see here uh, in this passage two men uh, who the cross made a huge difference uh, in their life. And I think uh, if I had to assign a uh, a question going into this passage, that would be uh, the question I, I would assign uh, to begin with. What difference has the cross made uh, in your life? What difference uh, has the crucifixion of Jesus Christ uh, made uh, in your life? Has it made a change? Has it made a, a noticeable difference uh, in how we behave, how we act, how we treat others? Uh, what difference uh, does uh, the cross make? And so uh, as we begin looking uh, at this passage, beginning in uh, verse 38 this morning, uh, we see, uh, first of all, we see this man uh, by the name of, of Joseph of Arimathea. Uh, and it says, after these things, so after the crucifixion, uh, after Jesus had uh, said it is finished, uh, after he had died, after the, after the uh, soldiers came by uh, and, and broke the legs of the thieves, after these things, it says uh, that Joseph, and, and notice this little phrase, in, uh, in between the commas here, who was a disciple. He is a disciple. He is a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, that's an important statement. But then notice this statement, but secretly for fear of the Jews. Uh, have you ever heard anybody use the phrase secret disciple? Uh, you know, some people, uh, we use that phrase sometimes. Joseph is a secret disciple. At some point, in the last three years, he has uh, met Jesus Christ. He has heard the teaching uh, of Jesus Christ, and he has become a follower uh, of Jesus Christ, but secretly because he was afraid of the Jews. He was a member uh, of the ruling body. He was a part uh, of the Sanhedrin who uh, were behind 
much of the grief that Jesus had uh, during His earthly ministry. But He was a follower of Jesus Christ, but secretly uh, because of uh, of fear. And He goes to Pilate uh, and asks if He can take away, uh, if He can have uh, the body of Jesus, and Pilate uh, gives him permission. Let me tell you one of the changes that the cross of Jesus Christ uh, makes in a man, makes in a person uh, who comes into contact, who comes into an understanding uh, of what Jesus did uh, at Calvary. We see it here uh, in Joseph. If we go on uh, a little further, we see in the next verse, uh, it talks about uh, Nicodemus, who had earlier come to Jesus uh, uh, by night. Uh, But we know that he he went away. uh, And we don't really know anything that happened in between. So we've got two men here, uh, one who the Bible very plainly, very clearly says was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because of fear. And then we know uh, about Nicodemus. So the first thing uh, we understand uh, that the cross did uh, in these men's life uh, was that it inspires uh, conviction. It inspires conviction. These were men who, uh, again, somewhere, uh, we don't know again when, where, how, uh, but Joseph had become a follower of Jesus Christ. But secretly, it says. Nicodemus, uh, don't know all the story. There's obviously some uh, details that we miss, but somehow uh, after coming to Jesus Christ by night and going away, uh, somewhere, somehow, uh, Nicodemus' heart uh, changed, and uh, and he has evidently become uh, a follower of Jesus Christ. And uh, it's ironic that, uh, that from the time of that meeting by night until now, we don't hear anything about Nicodemus. We don't see him showing up at any of the uh, of the meetings. We don't see him showing up uh, at. Uh, we don't see him uh, during the crucifixion. We don't see him during the trial. Uh, we don't see him, uh, you know, standing up in the defense of Christ. We don't see him anywhere. But the cross brought him out of the woodwork. The cross brought Nicodemus forward uh, to say, listen, I want to be part uh, of taking care of the body of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, you may... Uh, be sitting here this morning, and, and I'm going to. This is a major part uh, of what we're looking at in this text. Something you need to understand uh, was it was, again, the Romans were a, a mean and nasty people. Uh, I mean, they were just brutal. Uh, you know, they, they you know, they, they sat around. I, I think they sat around in circles, uh, devising and dreaming of new ways to torment people. Uh, you, know, they, they, you know, how can we make him die and die slowly, painfully, embarrassingly, publicly? I mean, they just got you know, a thrill from thinking of new ways to kill people. That just tickled them pink to figure out a new way to kill people. But one of the things about the crucifixion that was a Roman practice was, again, we talked last week about uh, how the, the breaking of the legs was to speed up the process. They meant for a person who was crucified to hang on the cross for several days and suffer uh, and, and be tormented, uh, but even more importantly was to be an example to everybody going back and forth. They, they would do it inside of the city. So, you know, I, I, I used to work for a man uh, who told me the story one time uh, of being uh, at the last 
uh, public hanging in, in Cabarrus County. Said his grandpa loaded up the wagon uh, and came up here from Stanley County to see the hanging. He says, I still remember that sight. He says, I still remember seeing it. Uh, you know, that, that was one of the, the purposes of a crucifixion as well. They, did it, they didn't do it behind you know, closed doors. They did it out on a hillside so everybody could see it. And, and little boys and little girls grow up going, if I break the law, <laughs> you know, that's what happens to me. But not only that, they would leave, even after they died, they would leave them on the cross for days and let them hang there so people coming by could see. Not only that, it was forbidden for them to be, it was forbidden for them to even be buried. When you did take them down, you threw them in the garbage heap. So for Joseph to come forward and claim the body, now, let's remember again the circumstances of the crucifixion of Christ. Christ was uh, illegally and wrongfully charged with being treasonous, being a traitor uh, against Rome. That was the, the, the charge that got him put on the cross. And so, if Joseph comes forward and shows some form of sympathy, some form of compassion towards the body of Christ, what has he just done? He has joined ranks with the, trees, uh, with the traitor. So, what, 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 does that do to, what, what does that do to his uh, standing in the community? Now, the Romans are going to be angry at him. The Jews are going to be angry at him. Well, we've already seen what happens with somebody when the Jews get angry at you. They just showed that. And so when Joseph comes forward and says... I want the body. I'll take care of it. That's a major change in who Joseph was. Listen, when they had the trial, when the Sanhedrin discussed Jesus, we don't read anywhere where Joseph ever once stood up and said, Hey, hey, oh, hold on, let's not crucify him. But the cross changed all that. The cross made a soldier out of Joseph. The cross made a brave man out of Nicodemus. The cross changed them and brought them out and said, listen, we're willing to risk everything for that man who died on the cross for us. We're willing. See, Joseph was already a disciple. He knew about the teaching. He knew what Jesus had said. Now he could see it. Jesus had been talking about being a sacrifice. Jesus has been talking about love. Jesus has been talking, but now he could visually see what Jesus meant. As Jesus hung on that cross, Joseph could see it. Joseph could experience it. And he said, I can't stay in the shadows any longer. This, this morning, if we're saying we're following Jesus Christ and that cross hadn't brought about conviction in our life, I can only assume we haven't got a good glimpse of the cross. We haven't got a good glimpse of what He did there for us. We haven't got a good glimpse uh, of that scourging. We haven't got a good sight uh, of that beating. We haven't got a good feel for that crown of thorns put on His head. We haven't got a good understanding of that spear in His side. We haven't got a good understanding of those nails in His feet and hands. We haven't got a good understanding of the pain of His mother sitting there at the foot of that cross watching her only son die a criminal's death. 
Because if we had, we'd come out the woodwork. If we had, we'd be, we'd be bold about our faith. We'd, we'd be standing up. Listen, I, 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 I look around, I'm not going to call names, but we've got all these fringe groups. We've got all these different identities and all this junk around us. Man, they get out in the streets and they'll parade and they'll wave their flags and they'll shout and they'll holler and they'll demand law changes. Folks, when the church gets a glimpse of the cross, we'll come out of the closet too. We'll come out of the closet too. You can read between whatever line you choose. It's time for us to see the cross. The cross should instill conviction in the followers of Jesus Christ. Not as it instill conviction, but notice we go on and it says that Nicodemus comes along. And as we look at this statement, it says Nicodemus, who had came to Jesus, he came bringing a mixture of spices, of myrrh and aloe, about 75 pounds is what it amounted to. Listen, I, I, I don't know, I, I probably should have researched this a little better, but I, I have a pretty good frame of reference. Anybody in here been to the grocery store and bought a thing of spice? Pick a spice, any spice, other than maybe salt. When you get up front, they want to see the deed to your house. You can buy a steak cheaper than you can buy a bottle of spice. Yeah, I mean, it, that stuff's 75 pounds. It not the cross not only instills conviction in these men, but it also invokes commitment. Again, Let's, let's remember the circumstances. I'm not going to go over them all again. Uh, of a man on a cross and, and the, uh, the Romans' attitude towards that man, the Jews' attitude towards that man. Don't you think, it says here, again, look at this passage. It says, when Nicodemus came, he brought 75 pounds of spice. Uh, they took the body in the next verse and they wrapped it in linen cloths with the spices. Do you not think <clears throat> that the store owner, when Nicodemus went in and said, give me your spices, all you got, I'll take them. And by the way, give me all the linen cloth you got in the house. I'll take it. The first thing, let me point out to you here, kind of a little side note. History tells us that Nicodemus was the third richest man in Jerusalem. So when he came into the store, I'm sure he got attention to begin with. Yeah. If, if you run a store and Bill Gates or somebody comes in, you, you're going to notice. You're going to be extra nice you know, when they come in. When the third richest man in town shows up, you're going to be nice. You go notice it. When he buys all the spice in the house, 75 pounds of spice, you can do a lot of baking with 75 pounds of spice. 75 pounds, 
Do you not think that the shopkeeper knew what he was doing? That shopkeeper, he knew. Everybody in town knew there was a crucifixion today. They knew all about it. He knew that two of them were thieves. And so you don't have to be Columbo to figure out who these spices and claws are for. You don't think news traveled through town pretty quickly that Nicodemus had just bought 75 pounds of spice? You don't think it traveled through town very quickly that Nicodemus had just bought up all the fine linen in town? You don't think it traveled through town pretty quickly that somebody had had the guts to go to Pilate and ask for the body of Jesus off the cross? It not only take, took courage, but it took commitment. Nicodemus had to get out his billfold and buy those spices. He had to get out his billfold and buy those linen. And it wouldn't have been cheap. Listen, the cross not only inspires conviction, but it instills commitment. If he can die on that cross, I can buy 75 pounds of spice. If he can die on a cross, if he can give his life for me, surely I can follow him. If he can die on a cross, surely I can tell my neighbor about it. Surely I can share the good news of Jesus Christ if he can do that. That's what that the cross does to a man. It brings about commitment. It brings about conviction, courage. It changes a man when he gets a glimpse of the cross. All right, that, the next thing you notice in this story as we move along on the commitment, but, but the courage, again, verse 41, it says there, they took the body of Jesus, bound him in the claws, it says, now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and, and, and in the garden there was a new tomb that no one had laid in. And so we, we see not only that, but we, we see the third thing about it uh, is their courage. Again, it was against the rules to bury a crucified man. Joseph says, Nicodemus says, I, I don't care. I don't care. Be mad. He died on a cross for me. I'm a, let's, let, 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 let's just talk for a moment about this whole tomb deal. Tombs were typically, as, as you can imagine, you know, were, were basically caves in the side of a hill. And, and a family owned that hole in the hill. It was an honor to be buried in somebody's family tomb. And so when Joseph takes Jesus and puts him in the family tomb, he's not just burying a traitor. He's not just burying a man that Rome crucified and the Jews ate. He is burying him in his tomb. He is saying, this man is part of my family. Now you say, I'm not sure I see the significance in that. Well, let me, get, let me ask you one question that will help you maybe understand the significance of that. Where were his disciples? 
Why wasn't he? Why wasn't Jesus buried in Peter's family too? Because they were hiding. The cross made a difference to Joseph. Joseph and Nicodemus come forward in courage. Then I want you to see the confidence. Notice what it says. It says they laid Jesus in a tomb where no one else had ever been, been put. No other body had ever been buried. He was born of a virgin womb and buried in a virgin tomb. Listen, you say, why is that important? If Let's think this through. I'm going to make you think this morning. If no one else had ever been buried in that tomb, how many people were in that tomb? Not a trick question, I promise you. If no one had been buried in that tomb... How many were in that tomb? None till Jesus got there, right? One. Nobody till... So the only person that had ever been in that tomb, the only person that was in that tomb that weekend was who? Jesus. Right? Trust me, I'm going somewhere with this. I wouldn't take you down this bumpy road for nothing. Nobody was there till Jesus got there. When Jesus got there, he was the only person buried in that tomb. So come Sunday morning, when that tomb was empty, who was the only person that could be missing from that tomb? Jesus. See, listen, had Jesus been buried in the tomb with five other people, they'd have just said it was somebody else missing. But there was no question because he was the only one there. And he was the only one missing. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and say something I know the Bible doesn't say. But you know part of the reason I believe Joseph buried Jesus in his family tomb? Because he knew he wouldn't be there very long. He knew he wouldn't be tying up a space grandma needed. He knew... That spot was going to be empty. He believed what Jesus said. When Jesus says, if you tear down the temple in three days, I'll rebuild it. He believed it. He had confidence in what Jesus said. The cross changed him. He wasn't worried. Again, you know as well as I do, if it's a hole in the the wall, in a, a cave, there's only so much room. You can only stack them so deep in there. And so if Jesus went in, that meant that was a spot somebody in the family couldn't have. But Joseph, I don't believe, was too worried about that because he knew, come first of all week, I'd see him now telling the family member, just hold on, that'll be empty Monday. You know, you can have it Monday. You know, we'll dust it off, it'll be good as new because it'll be empty come Monday morning. You're not even sick yet. There's plenty of time. It'll be empty before you need it. There'll be room in the tomb for you. Joseph, I believe, had confidence that he was just loaning Jesus a tomb. He wasn't giving Jesus a tomb because the cross changed him. The cross changed him. 
watching Jesus suffer and die, watching Jesus hang on that cross, hearing those seven sayings of Jesus, it is finished. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I thirst. When he heard those words, it changed him. When he saw the blood run down him onto the ground, when he saw him beat him and spit on him and crown him with thorns and never heard him complain, never heard him lash out, never heard him strike back, never witnessed him strike back, it changed him. It changed him. I believe most of all when he heard him say, Father, for they know not what they do. I believe Joseph's heart melted. I believe it melted. He was a different man because he saw the cross. He was a different man because he had been to Calvary. If you've been to the cross, has it made a change in you? Has it made a difference in who you are? Has it made a difference in how you act, how you treat others? Has it given you courage, confidence, commitment, conviction? Has it changed you? Have you been to the cross? As our musicians come, I want to invite you this morning. You say, oh, I've been to the cross. I know Jesus. I've been to Calvary. There is no question whatsoever. I know Jesus Christ personally. Has it changed you? Has it made a difference in you? See, when Moses came down off the mountain after being with God, people could tell he'd been with God. Can they tell we've been to Calvary? You're here today, you're online. You don't know Christ personally. You've never asked Christ into your heart. You've tried to follow Him from a distance. I want to invite you this morning to come and let us show you from God's Word how you can know Jesus Christ. How you can know Him as your Savior. The cross should make a difference in who you are. As we stand together, Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, I ask you today, God, that you would change us, shape us. God, take us to the cross. God, your people, those that say they know you, take them back by the cross one time, Lord. Remind us of what Jesus did for us. Remind us of the price he paid. God, if there's one listening online, one that's here this morning that doesn't know Jesus personally, God, I pray that you'd stir their hearts. God, that you'd speak to them. God, that you'd see their need.